What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode one, two, three of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Tuesday night this time around for obvious reasons. And joining me on the podcast this week is the great Scott Coleman. What's up, man? What's up, man? Thanks for having me on. Uh, always a pleasure, sir. It's been too long. I took a week off, and then, of course, we delayed this week because earlier today, on Tuesday, as we're recording, was the trade deadline, so it seemed pretty silly to record a podcast on Sunday. Hopefully, everybody sort of uh, heard that announcement last week. I tweeted about it, too, but hopefully nobody was screaming at me about not having a podcast in their feed on Sunday night, so hopefully it makes sense that uh, we would wait. Uh, there's, of course, the trades to talk about. We'll, we'll definitely talk about them here in a little bit, but there was a little bit of news. I don't want to spend too much time on results and things that have happened. The Braves are playing this evening. Or at least they're scheduled to play this evening on Tuesday with Colby Allard set to make his major league, major league debut. But uh, rain has been uh, in the forecast all day. It's been pouring rain, so it's the game is currently scheduled. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, you might know if it's been canceled or postponed or whatever whatever ha- actually happens with that game. But we're not going to know uh, what happens on, what happens on Tuesday night. So with that in mind, let's just talk about some new stuff and then we'll get into the trades. Um, I guess you know the, the positive headliner over the last you know week and a half is Chipper Jones going to the Hall of Fame, uh, which feels like it's been buried because there's just been so much other news, you know, both positive and negative. But let's talk about Chipper for a second. First of all, we, you know, I were talking about this offline before we started recording about how silly it is that the Hall of Fame weekend is right when it is. It's going to be easily overshadowed by other things. But it's pretty yeah. cool that Chipper's in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, if you if you were a 90s kid growing up, he was your hero, right? I mean, I remember wanting to be – I played third base as a kid because I wanted to be Chipper Jones. So – it was it was pretty cool to see him get in there and obviously as deserving of of a player as you can be and uh, it was nice to see you know as as fate would have it as you mentioned you know it's it's forty eight hours before the trade deadline Sean Newcomb's working on his no hitter and you're right it just kind of got overshadowed which is really unfortunate yeah I mean I, I under normal circumstances like if it was if this if Chipper had gone to the Hall of Fame in May or even in like late August or something we probably would spend twenty minutes on Chipper. Uh, just yeah. because that's a huge thing. And I mean, it's sort of weird that you talk about the guy when he's elected to the Hall of Fame, uh, and then you don't really talk about him that much when it actually happens because we just kind of known for a while. We talked we talked about it at the time, sort of reminiscing about Chipper. And I know a lot of people that we know and follow were there. You know, Grant McCauley and those guys were all up there at Cooperstown. I would have liked to have been there. It would have been fun. Uh, I was not there. But uh, yeah, definitely a cool thing. You know, I, I, kind of funny. I was never the biggest Chipper fan, but at the same time, you kind of just knew how good he was. It wasn't like a situation where he was never a quote my guy but he was just the best player for I mean aside from the obviously he was, he was the best position player for a long long time and like by the time he was, was retiring he was, he was a he was a no doubt lock hall of famer we kind of all knew it so there's a little bit of like I'm not sure if it's anticlimactic, anticlimactic or something, but like we kind of just knew this was going to happen, and we got there. Yeah. And it was cool though, just to kind of take that all in. I made it. I was actually traveling and did get to watch the speech live, but got to watch the replay of it and was ma- made sure I went and did that just because I wanted. I wanted to definitely make sure that I remember that. I mean, you you and I are close enough to the same age where you know Ch- I'm a little bit older than you, but Chipper is you know was the guy um, for me growing yeah. up as well. It was like, you know, I, I was more of a Maddox Maddox Clavin guy than a Chipper guy, but at the same time, like there's no there's no question how great Chipper was. And we just wanted to lead off a little bit with that on the positive side. Um, you mentioned Sean Newcomb uh, on the positive side for Newcomb. He had a near no hitter on Sunday that was, uh, again, probably would have been a huge lead story under normal circumstances on the podcast when a guy had, takes a no hitter to the last batter of the game uh, before it was broken up. And of course, you know, Kent Merker's the last no hitter for the Braves in '94. Uh, I was seven years old when that happened. <laughs> so, uh, I was kind of. Four. 
yeah. So kind of tells you how long ago that was when it happened. Of course, that's now been overshadowed as well by his uh, by his really bad tweets, um, which we, I don't want to spend too much time on. But of course, you know, he apologized for them. Uh, the the team issued a statement, basically, you know, condemning him. And I think you know I'm reading it in here now. It says that you know the tw- the team said that they find the tweets hurtful, incredibly disappointing. Even though that he was young when they did them, it doesn't make them any less tolerable. Was the quote from the Braves? That's the obvious takeaway here. There's no defending what Sean Newcomb said on Twitter. Uh, so I don't want to do uh, any anything beyond that. But of course, it just sort of was unfortunate. And hopefully he, uh, you know, hopefully he feels differently now. I would definitely hope that. I mean, of course, he, he definitely said that and apologized for it. I would hope in my heart that he feels differently now. But we also don't know him well enough to know. So it's one of those things where it's unfortunate and we have to talk about it. But that's kind of all I got on it. I don't know. The, f- the fact that there's not, like, me and you should start a business where we just go through athletes, like old Twitter and Instagram and Facebook posts, and just, or even just famous people in general, and go in and delete them if they have any bad ones before they get big <laughs> famous. Because, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's it's Newcomb. It was Josh Hader, of course, over the All-Star break. It was uh, uh, Trey Turner with the Nationals. Uh, they found some some suspect tweets from him. Again, you know, tweets from six years ago when he was... Uh, when he was much, much younger, not that it excuses it by any means. Uh, it's really unfortunate. And, it, you know, as they say, it's once it's on the internet, it's there forever. So hopefully, uh, hopefully he learned from it. And as you said, obviously doesn't have those same thoughts anymore. Yep. Uh, he was young, but it does definitely, as the brave said, and as he said, it's not excuse it. So we'll kind of put that there and uh, hopefully he could build off of the pitching side of the things where he looked great on Sunday. So that's the one positive of that. Um, all right, we can move on from there. I wanted to at least touch on it real quick. There was the other bit of, uh, I guess, news. I'm not sure if it even qualifies as news, but it, it became a huge talking point over the weekend. And that was the Joe Simpson batting practice <laughs> saga with regard to Chase Etley. Uh, before I let you talk about this, I, I kind of go sense. out of my way to not talk about the broadcast team. Um, I, I see a lot of bashing of the broadcast team in general on Twitter, people that I trust, and especially people, people that are out of the market and have to listen to them and all that fun stuff. Uh, I will say it's not my favorite broadcast in the league, but at the same time, I don't. I kind of go out of my way not to crap on people like that. But at the same time, even I kind of had to mention how bad that looked for Joe Simpson, and he got crushed, uh, rightfully so, in my opinion, nationwide. Um, for the, uh, if you guys missed this somehow, he was basically very critical of Chase Utley, who was uh, in a in a t-shirt and, uh, you know, I guess not traditional batting practice, you know, u- uniform gear when he was doing that. But, of course, he was wearing a, a strikeout cancer t-shirt, which made things even worse for Joe Simpson. So, I mean, aside from it just being a sort of embarrassing thing for the Braves, did you have a big picture take other than that? Because I, I just think I just think he just looks silly. I think he probably realizes yeah. that now. And there was, I guess, there was a discussion. I'm not sure if there was an apology. I'm not sure if I, if I read that or not. But he definitely talked to the Dodgers after the fact. But got, yeah. got some bad press, to be sure. Yeah, it was ugly for him. I mean, just listening to it live, you almost did like a double take. Like, is he really, yeah, is he I, really doing this? I, I, I didn't mean, hear it live. I was actually, because I was traveling... I didn't hear it. I was actually, I was following along on Twitter and I was reading people reacting to it, which is kind of funny. And I'm thinking, man, what is he, what is he saying? Cause I'm, I'm reading right. Twitter. And I'm like, man, every, everybody's crushing Joe Simpson right now. And that huh. happens sometimes, but at the same time I went back and listened to it. It's like, Oh, this is as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I mean, it was rough and you know, it was, it was rough even before it was known that the shirt that he was making fun of Chase Utley or, or degrading Chase Utley for wearing was a strikeout cancer shirt. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't just a tank top that he picked up at the store and decided to wear out. So it, it was ugly all the way around. He did, you know, to his credit, he went down to the Dodgers dugout the next day and, and apologized to a couple of the players, um, issued a, you know, a, 
a couple sentence statement, apologized, and I think people who know me, who follow me, know I'm I'm not a fan of of Chip and Joe at all. <laughs> yeah. um, I guess we can just kind of leave it at that. And, That's probably uh, best. He he's kind of turned into super grumpy old man lately, and that was really bizarre. Just how upset he was over it. But hey, to each your own. And if he really feels that way, then then so be it. Yeah, and apparently Chip deleted his Twitter account um, over yeah. the weekend, which is another thing that we can make fun of that we, we we'll choose not to. On the podcast, please, please follow Scott for his thoughts on Chip and Joe on Twitter. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get off that. Let's talk about some trades or some non-trades first. Let's talk about Chris Archer because that was uh, almost a bigger story than what actually happened. Was all the Archer stuff? It sort of built. Like, it, was, it was sort of a crescendo earlier on the day on Tuesday. It felt like for a minute the Braves were like in the driver's seat for Archer. Um, later, Alex Anthopoulos said um, on the record that um, he didn't. Uh, I guess consider the Braves to be serious players in the Archer sweepstakes. So I guess there was some reporting there. They got they got a little bit too aggressive, at least from what Anthopoulos was saying publicly about how like not close that got. Um, but he's yeah. he of course is going to going to the Pirates. Um, it's easy to be disappointed to a certain extent. I think Archer is a better pitcher than the than the pitcher the Braves actually acquired. But at the same time, I think the price we saw with what they got from Pittsburgh was going to be a lot higher than what the Braves paid for Kevin Gosman. So where were you yeah. at with Archer the whole time? Were you willing to pay market price for him, or were you a little bit more skeptical? I'm as big of a Chris Archer fan as you'll find. Um, the the Pirates did. They paid a heavy hefty price. I mean. Um, the shine has come off a little bit, uh, just a little bit, um, with Glass now, just just with his development. But Austin Meadows is a really solid player, and, and they have a player to be named later. And according to the reports that everyone has, it's not a you know it's not an eighteen year old down in uh, in it's the Dominican summer league. Yeah, yeah, it's it's someone legit. So um, it was a lot. I know someone threw out a comparison of a you know like a. Uh, maybe a like a Mike Soroka, Austin Riley, and then a third prospect return. I'm not sure I would have paid that for Archer, even as much of a fan as I am. Yeah, I saw um, I saw Tukey yeah. and like Drew Waters as this another comp like that. It's one of those like it's tough to do one one v one comps, but I think if yeah. the Braves paid a comparable price in their own prospects, people would have been very upset. Yeah, I wouldn't. And, I wouldn't have been, by the way. But I think the consensus would have been that they overpaid, at least from the fan base that, that treats these prospects like they're absolute gold. I think people would have been a little bit yeah. bothered by that. Right, and that was my whole thing all day. You know, as as we said, we kind of follow in real time, and yeah, Braves, Braves, Braves. Maybe the Brewers, maybe the Pirates, maybe the Dodgers. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it, the Pirates had him. I mean, I think it went from a matter of fifteen minutes of yeah, just all over. these teams are interested and a deal is going to get done to you know done deal. Pittsburgh's getting him. Um, it was a lot. I mean, 24 hours ago, the you would have thought the Pirates were firmly on kind of the bubble, if you will. And then they go and trade for Keona Keela, who is a very good late-inning reliever from Texas. Um, and then they'll go out and get the best pitcher on the market, probably the best player other than Manny Machado on the market. Um, and, and I would imagine Archer's going to go to Pittsburgh and, and really pitch well for them. Um, so good for Pittsburgh. I mean, for a team that was kind of tearing it down, kind of not. Yeah, yeah I mean... I mean for for yeah. reference, I mean, this is not everything, but I just quickly while you're talking, look at the five thirty eight odds. They have an eleven percent playoff chance right now, and yeah. like they went out and bought after selling over the offseason. I mean, they they traded Garrett Cole, they traded Andrew McCutcheon, like they were going to do this teardown, and now they're buying again when they're not in this great spot. Like if they were in the Braves' position, I would sort of understand, but they have a pretty uphill yeah. battle. It's kind of a strange decision. This is not the the, the Talking Pirates podcast, but uh, that was a, <laughs> that was a strange one to be sure. 
Yeah, I mean, and look, I mean, they're fifty-five and fifty-two. They have Chicago, they're not going to catch Chicago or, or Milwaukee at the top of the division. But you know, as we've seen, the wild card—it's one game. If you can get in either of those two spots, you play one game and see what happens. Adding someone like Chris Archer certainly helps a, a one-game playoff scenario and see what happens. It looks like they're about three and a half games out of the second wild card spot right now, uh, with with two months to go. So it was it was certainly a surprise. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, no, uh, I have no objection. It's, it is what it is. They pay, they paid a lot for him, and I think he's worth it. I, I was a big Archer fan as well. Would have been okay with the Braves uh, paying the position, uh, playing the price that it would have cost, but uh, alas, they did not do that. And uh, by the way, uh, in the midst of his post uh, deadline interview, uh, Anthopoulos got a nice shot in, at John Capolella. It felt like. Um, did you oh, did, did you see that quote? I did. Yeah, he really took a shot at him. Uh, I'm going to read it here word for word. Quote, I guarantee you there's players in the big leagues that we would trade anybody for. I wouldn't cut my arms off or anything like that when it comes to trading players. End quote. <laughs> and uh, yeah. David Bryan of The Athletic uh, reported that the media laughed um, on the heels of that as well. So, Yeah. We'll kind of leave, leave, leave that out there. But it was a pretty clear shot at coffee. So, uh, you know. Someone I, I, said he's working at Home Depot corporate in Atlanta now. Uh, sure, I believe that. I mean, he's got... The thing is, if you're if you're a GM for as long as you want, he's got some money, but at the same time, he probably isn't just going to sit around for the rest of his life. So yeah, well, he's, he's like forty. Yeah, he's forty. He can't just sit around. I mean, yeah, yeah you're right. GMs make okay money, but not retire at forty years old money. I mean, I'm sure he could never work again if he just wanted to do that. But guys who become GMs when they're in their 30s probably don't want to go sit around for for 40 years. So no. uh, he's going to be doing something. So shots to coffee wherever you might be if you're listening to the podcast. Um, the other quick <laughs> wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be funny? Yes. Uh, <laughs> the other quick rumor that came and went in a hurry on Tuesday was that the Braves were at one point tied to Matt Harvey, the former Mets pitcher, now current rate, current Reds pitcher, who was not traded at all, by the way, which is kind of strange. Um, it was very brief, and it looked like. Um, that was not necessarily the most reliable reporting in the world, but uh, it, yeah. I, I did tweet in the middle of the and uh, the height of the Archer and Matt Harvey stuff that it would be extremely Braves to be tied to Chris Archer forever and then end up with Matt Harvey. They did not, yeah. um, but at the same time, I would have not liked that very much. At least if they, yeah, if it was I'm like a, free, then sure, but it wouldn't have been. So no, and I'm not a Harvey fan, so no. I'm, I'm glad that didn't work out. Yes, uh, all right. It's we, we've now done 13 minutes or 14 minutes on non things that happened, so it's time to talk about the things that did happen. And the headliner is Kevin Gosman. Um, you know, I was prepared to talk about Adam Duall as the headliner because he was the headliner until Tuesday. But uh, let's talk about the Gosman trade. Just I'll read the particulars to you right now. The Braves acquired Kevin Gosman and Darren O'Day, who we'll talk about more in the midst of this podcast, from the Orioles in exchange for uh, Gene Carlos, Encarnacion, Brett Cumberland, Evan Phillips, Bruce Zimmerman, and international signing slots, plural. So, I mean, there was a couple of iterations of this. It was kind of strange. The the, the the reporting was that the trade was done, and then with like it was like 20 minutes or so, maybe even longer oh, before we least, actually I knew. I think it was good, like 30, 40 Maybe minutes. 30, 40, yeah. I mean, it was a long time before we knew what the particulars were. Uh, the first reporting that we got, it was, a little, you know, it was three players, then it was four players, then it was, you know, whatever it ended up being six-player deal, something like that. Um, you know, Gosman is the centerpiece, but I mean, O'Day, we talk about real quick before you talk about Gosman in depth. O'Day has been a very good reliever for a long time. At the same time, uh, he had hamstring surgery that's season ending in early July and he's owed 9 million for 2019. So people yeah. really were kind of weirded out by that. I really wasn't necessarily, but he's going to be expensive 
for next year. I think he's a solid reliever if he's healthy and the guy he's been for a long time. But that was the piece that was reported last and kind of brought down people just a little bit. I think everybody still liked the deal, at least the people that we trust kind of like the deal still. But that definitely took a little bit of the shine off of it as well as the prospect hall. But, I mean, what was your first big picture thought on this? Because I personally uh, liked it from the beginning and still do. I'm a big fan of the trade. Um, you mentioned taking on Darren O'Day. It was a little bit of a surprise because that was reported at the very end. I think that was purely a way for the Braves to lower the prospect cost for for Gosman, which I would much rather take on. You know, a, a solid reliever for nine million next year than, you know, imagine if if you don't take him. And this is all hypothetical, of course, but imagine if you have to include a Luis Gahara instead of Bruce Zimmerman, right? Because you don't take that nine million in, in salary relief. Um, you know, no disrespect to any of the guys. Evan Phillips, you know, his ceiling is what a good seventh, eighth inning reliever. Yeah. Um, Jean Carlos is is a very young, you know, has potential. I think he had kind of crept into the top fifteen of. I think he was fifteenth actually on the Talking Chop uh, recent. Yeah, he was rankings. the uh, he he was the highest guy according to our guys. There were you know prospect list, prospect lists are definitely you know variable, but our TC sure. guys had him as the highest ranked prospect. In the and I think you know I think he was fourteen or fifteen on. Uh, 14 or 15 for pipeline and you know in the 20s for uh, in the 20s for baseball america so by all means uh, a prospect but exactly that a prospect he's he's very young he has a lot of swing and miss to his swing and miss to his game um brett cumberland was an intriguing guy a college bat a you know potential to catch probably more of a backup catcher out you know fourth outfielder kind of look to his game i think he'll hit enough to be a big leaguer but he certainly has limited upside with his defensive inabilities. He's not going to be a guy who can go out and catch 100 and 130 games a year. Um, yeah, so for that and to send two and a half million to the international money that you can't really spend anyway, um, I'm a fan of Gosman. Um, I was digging into his numbers a little bit deeper today, and, and you look at him, and a guy who has been pretty solid. He's been a number three starter really throughout his entire time with Baltimore. He's a guy who's been around uh, for four years now. You look at him, career 4.22 ERA, uh, 4.16 FIP, 3.93 XFIP, which is, I think, noteworthy just because Camden Yards is such a home run friendly park. Um, You look at his home run rate the last three years, 1.4, 1.4, and 1.5 home runs per nine. Um, That'll obviously go down. Uh, This year, SunTrust is is actually the least home run uh, prone stadium or, or least likely to give up a home run however you want you, to phrase You remember that. when Sutrust was this launching pad for the first like two weeks and <laughs> everybody freaked be, out? That because, was because uh, That's because Bartolo and Julio were throwing <laughs> the first two games. I just, I will, never, I will never forget the absolute mass freak out of that. Like yeah. it was like Coors Field East and all yeah. this stuff and it's like, oh, I guess not. Anyway, <laughs> for sorry. Like, for like two months and then it died out. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'm a fan. I think moving forward, I, I think he could be a number three starter in the National League, or I don't see why he wouldn't be. I think getting out of the American League East, you think about his situation right now in Baltimore. The team is 50 games below 500. He knows they're not going to be good anytime soon. They've already traded away a handful of guys. The Orioles have the worst defense in baseball behind him. The Braves, by whatever metric you want to look at, are top three, top five. Um, and you go from Camden Yards, which is as friendly of a ballpark as there is in the American League, to SunTrust, which I think is a pretty fair ballpark, all things considered. Um, it just and, and you think about you're going to go from the American League East where you're facing the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Blue Jays, who historically have had a really nice lineup, and the Rays and playing 40% of your games against them, and then you're facing the Mets and the Marlins, uh, you know, the Nats and the Phillies for, for 40% of your games. So I'm hopeful Jake Arrieta is the easy 
hope with him. Obviously, Arietta was in Baltimore, was an okay starter, moved to Chicago and turned into a, uh, a stud for a couple of years there. You hope he can have some kind of a similar renaissance. And uh, because the price was what it was, I'm, I'm pretty happy, all things considered. Yeah, I mean, I think people, there was some reaction that was negative. I think most people that kind of do what we do and cover the team more analytically were pretty pleased by this, honestly. Uh, you know, if you, you, have to, you have to look beyond the numbers with Gosman, at least the, the traditional numbers with Gosman to get a real picture of what he is. But more importantly, before we talk about Gosman, which I know you did a little bit just now, you know, they traded quantity of prospects. They traded four guys in this deal, but none of those guys were in anybody's top 10 of the entire Brave system. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's a couple of places where they weren't even top 15. Like, they, they traded some quality prospects. Top 30, even. Yeah. yeah, but at the same time, like, you're, you can afford to do that. And I'm definitely with you that taking on the, the, the O'Day money for 2019 lessened the blow there. And I'm okay with that because, you know, O'Day, when he's healthy, has been a good pitcher. And he was like, he's, he's not going to be a closer or anything like that, but he can be a quality late-inning reliever. $9 million is $9 million, but it's only one more year. And you know, the Braves yeah. have all this money to spend, theoretically, uh, for the 2019 club. So I have no real issue with that at all, especially if it limits your prospect exposure, which seems to be the consensus at this point in time. So, I mean, Gosman, if you're trying to build the negative case on Gosman, you could probably do that by saying that he has a he has a um, sorry, I have an impro- a 4.58 ERA since the start of the 2017 season. So that's not great, obviously. If you look beyond that, though, his numbers are a little bit better than that, a little bit more encouraging than that. And you know he, this, is, this is a high pedigree guy. He was a top five pick in the draft in 2012. Like this is not some like soft throwing. He's got you know guy. He's got a lot of talent. Um, definitely a high a high pedigree guy. And I think everything that you mentioned there, the Orioles are sort of known for handling their pitchers terribly. All that fun stuff. In addition to the AL East and the fact that he has this, he has a really high ground ball rate, which is nice because of the fact that you know in addition to you know all the defensive strength that the, that the Braves have right now, uh, you know infield defense has been pretty darn good with Dansby and Ozzy and Camargo, especially at third base. So. Yeah, I'm pretty happy about this. You know, this is a very, very random sample, but a 313 ERA and 12 starts against non AL East teams this year. I don't really care about that, but that stat was making the rounds a little bit today. Yeah. So I like the trade. I think the, the cost was relatively low. I uh, made a yeah. tweet about how I would do a backflip if Brett Cumberland was the lead prospect in, in the trade for Kevin Gossman, and he was. So yeah. I, will owe, I will owe a backflip to someone. Uh, I will. I will definitely. Uh, I'll, I'll video that if I can pull it off. But uh, well, yeah, <laughs> who knows? And who knows what Tampa Bay really wanted from Atlanta? It's hard to compare. You know. Yeah, it's not. It's never going to be as easy to compare as you think it would be. You know right. I mean? But you know, let's hypothetically say if we're going to match up player values and future values, you know, if if you said, you know, hey Brad, you can have Chris Archer and you'll get, uh, you'll give up Kyle Wright, uh, Austin Riley and jce and maybe you know and and some international money or you can have kyle gosman for the four prospects who he was traded for i mean me personally i I would take the gosman trade 10 times out of 10 yeah i mean the gosman deal is just a better it's a better value it's yeah you know know what i mean like no one's saying chris archer is not better than kevin gosman because he is um, but at the same time, Gosman is younger, which is interesting, by the way. He's only 27. He's got two years of uh, arbitration remaining, which you're going to be paying some money for. It's not like you're going to be getting him for nothing. But at the same time, like it's going to limit your cost a little bit, if, even if he's good. You know, Archer is signed for even cheaper, which is why, and, and an extra year, which is why his price is so high because it's three years on. It's not, and it's not arbitration years. It's three years of like controlled, like you know, six, seven, eight million dollars a year. It's like this incredible value deal. Yeah. But you know, Gosman has more upside than he's shown. He's not, I wouldn't say higher upside than Chris Archer, but he strikes, he strikes out people. You know, he's, he's, he's almost a strikeout per inning guy in his career. 
It's yeah, one of those things where... Less mileage on his arm, too. Yeah, less mileage. You know, if you can get him under control and certain things, like his walk rate's back down to where it was before last year. There's been times when he's been just, like, abjectly dominant for, like, a month or two in a row, and then he'll kind of fall out. He has an interesting uh, array of pitches, and I'm not going to claim to be a pitching expert, but if you can sort of round him out into, into where he's using his best stuff effectively, I do think that there is upside to have him be, like, a number two starter for you. I wouldn't necessarily project that. But you're paying a price for a number four or five guy with, yeah. and my expectation would be that he's your number three for a while here. I do think there's actually a real scenario where he's better than that. But like on the current roster, he's your third best pitcher immediately. Um, so yeah, he might even be better than Newcomb. I would. Yeah, argue. I mean, I'm, I'm saying at least your third best pitcher. I think Newcomb is definitely polarizing right now. He was great, of course, on Sunday, but before that, he really struggled for a while. Fulty's been great all year, but you know. At a bare minimum, he's better than Julio. He's better than Anibal. He's better than all the young guys right now. I'm not saying he has the upside of some of the young guys. Like, Tukey's upside's obviously higher, all that fun stuff. But I do think he helps you, and he helps you at a very reasonable cost, and he's locked up for two more years. That's yeah. a really, really nice combination, especially if you're looking to move on from, t- from Julio after this year, which I think is pretty likely, honestly, given how bad he's yeah. been and the fact that he was a pre-Anthopolis <laughs> guy. So, you know, moving forward, there are really only two guys in the system that you were – absolutely dead bang projecting for the 2019 rotation and that was Nukem and Fulte now yeah. you got a third so yeah absolutely and you mentioned the control I mean he's making five and a half million this year in arb two he's gonna you know let's say he makes seven or eight million next year in arbitration and then gets up to 10 or 12 if he has a really nice year next year I mean that's that's really reasonable for two and a half you know for two years of control whereas Everyone knows how dangerous it is to start spending big on free agent pitchers because it just tends to be a, a circus. So you're right. It, it's not just a, something that will help this year. It should, in theory, help 2019-2020. For sure. And I think you know this year it does help you. It's not a situation where it makes you – the addition of Kevin Gosman makes you some sort of World Series contender, but at the same time – He's yeah. an upgrade on the other options that you have. I know the, you know, some of the people that were more negative about the trade were referencing, you know, you know, in two years is he going to be in the rotation? Like, you know, maybe if he pitches well, and if not, whatever. It's one more year of control, and you know, yeah. I know the Braves have all these arms, but they're not all going to hit. It's just what it is. Like they're already going to be. You need to be dealing from a position of strength. The Braves have it, and they didn't even pay top dollar for Gosman. So. No. I love this trade, frankly. Yeah. I mean, it did it did lessen it a little bit once we saw Encarnacion was in the trade, and so was O'Day. But at the same time, it's still a, at least an, uh, for me an unequivocal positive, and I loved it. And I, I know I know Baltimore's doing. They're for once trying to restock and finally deciding to rebuild, which is makes sense. It's well, it's time. It's been time for them for a long time. But the Braves take advantage of that and get a guy who has real upside. Again, former top five pick. There's a reason for that. He's a very talented pitcher. So we'll see what yeah. it looks like. But I like it quite a bit. Me too, man. It's it's nice. I tweeted this the other day. It's really nice to actually be acquiring players at the deadline instead of trying to find like takers for the ten guys who have trade value. It's it's been nice to actually acquire players instead of have to get rid of them all. Yeah, I mean, I always en- I I kind of weirdly enjoyed the sell off process um, in trade because um, fortunately the Braves got a lot of good returns when they were doing that. Like they were pretty good at it. I think <laughs> like, yeah, copy was great at it. He was pretty, they were pretty good at that, at the teardown process. But at the same time, this definitely is more fun, especially when you factor in like, Hey, what does Kevin Gosman do for a playoff team? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a different discussion when you're talking about adding a guy that helps you right now. And also in the future, and you know, the one thing the, the Braves were consistent with uh, the whole time is that if they were going to pay any real price for a pit, for a uh, trade guy, it was going to be someone who was under control. Gosman's under control. He's not Chris Archer, but I mean, I'll say this: in two years, it would not surprise me in the slightest if he's better than Chris Archer. 
Yeah, I, I could see that. I wouldn't I mean, project I, that I, by any means. Don't, don't, get, yeah. don't get me wrong. But at the same time, like Archer has leveled off a little bit. He's a little bit older. And Gosman is as talented, I would say. Yeah. Like purely talented. Archer's On pedigree, pitcher, sure. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, so with, yeah. there's a non-zero chance of that. And you paid a price that's like, you know, infinitely less <laughs> than what they would have paid for, yes. for Archer. So. Yes, um, I'm a big fan. I'm totally cool with that. Uh, all right, we can move on to the, I guess, the lesser trades. Although the Adam Duvall trades, the next one we'll talk about, that was a real trade. It wasn't like, that wasn't a throw-in kind of deal like the other two that we'll talk about here in a second. But um, earlier in the week, and I suppose the Braves traded um, Lucas Sims, Matt Whistler, and Preston Tucker, which is a bizarre trio uh, to send somewhere. I'm actually stunned that Sims and Whistler were in the same trade as, I guess, value pieces, if you're talking about the Reds, in, in exchange for Adam Duvall. Um I love this trade too, mostly because I am not convinced that either Sims and Whist- or Whistler has any trade value. I know Whistler doesn't have any trade value, at least in my mind. Sims, I guess, is a little bit uh, higher valued around the league, I suppose. At least I have to guess. Yeah. But yeah. it was kind of weird to see those two, th- these those three players net you like. I'm not saying this is like this lights out asset, but Adam Duvall is yeah. an interesting player to be sure. He's serviceable. I didn't realize he was as good defensively as what he's been. Yeah, I the mean, last three years, man, he's been very good in left field. Yeah, he rates out as as a top, you know, maybe a top five even corner outfielder, at least left fielder defensively. Um, really good there. You know, the service numbers this year are not nearly as good as they were before. I mean, honestly, his service numbers aren't great this year. Um, no, but so, some of the advanced stuff makes him – he's been unlucky yeah. this year almost certainly. Yeah, I mean, everything he's doing is similar to what he's done the last couple of years. I think he had a – a 102 WRC plus and an 800 OPS the last uh, the last two or three seasons before this and the way he's hitting the ball the way he's putting the ball in the air it's just been unlucky as you mentioned um, you know it's I think the most interesting thing is the Braves uh, came out and basically said hey against lefty pitching Duvall's our left fielder and yep. uh, and Acuna is going to slide to center and, and Ender's going to sit and that's kind of how it is i mean i would imagine that's going to be the way the next two months or so i mean uh, they, they i mean i was surprised that anthopolis said that as publicly as he did but he did and listen yeah. I, we, we talked about ender a lot on this podcast he can't hit left-handed pitching it's not even a new thing even when he was good he wasn't hitting left-handed pitching um and you know adam duvall again is not this like incredible masher but in, in his career has about an 800 ops against, against lefties so yeah. i think if you combine that performance against left-handed pitching, you have a guy in Acuna that can play a high-end center field defensively. You don't lose much on defense because Duvall is good in left field. There's no reason. There's no argument against it. I think one one of the ways that I defended the Braves still playing Ender against left-handed pitching was that there wasn't another option. I don't. I, don't, I never. I never thought Charlie Culberson was good enough to dis, to, to actually displace Enciarte. Yeah, but I'm Duvall is. So yeah, because of the glove, especially yeah, the glove and the fact that he's you know if, I mean it's, it's about a 500 plate appearance sample of him, him being a very good hitter against left-handed pitching. So if you yeah. co- you combine those two things, I mean I have no issue with that. I think that, I think that's the best way to align your team right now. I mean I, and to to Ender's, yeah. to Ender's credit, it seems like he's handling that well and he's kind of taking it in stride. I think yeah. there will probably be a day or two where he plays just because Brian Snicker's reputation. I think he's going to play sure. a little bit more sure. than we think he might, and at least more than Anthopoulos has said that he was going to, but. Listen, you know, left-handed pitch- pitchers are fewer and far between the righties, so Ender's still going to play the, the lion's share of the of the time. But at the same time, like this is a, he, it's just a better alignment, and the fact that yeah. Anthopoulos said it means it's going to happen because he's he's kind of the guy in charge. So um, yeah, I like it a lot for that reason. I think Duvall is, you know, if we assume he's the guy he was a couple years ago, I don't really care about the thirty home runs that he was hitting in Great American Ballpark. That's probably not representative. But if he's the same guy he was against left-handed pitching, which is a slightly above average hitter or better. 
that he just he helps your team at a very very limited cost because what they gave up I mean let's just be honest about it none of the three guys that they gave up are really in were really in the plans at all yeah it, it's 40 man roster clutter honestly I mean yeah it, it was funny we I think in our our slack chat the other day we said hey you know as as it came out that Allard was going to debut and Tukey might not be far behind and they're going to make all these moves you know it was said Look, they're going to have to make some kind of twenty and forty or twenty-five and forty-man yeah, roster decision. And that trade cleared out three guys, and obviously you have to have one for Duvall. But um, it really just kind of cleared out some of the clutter in a hurry. And you know, Anthopoulos said in the nicest way possible after the trade, you know, look, these guys probably weren't going to be with us next year. We were likely going to non-tender them or, or DFA them and get them off the forty-man. So um, it's a great move in that way because, by the way, Duvall is cheap, very, very cheap. And he hits arbitration next year, but considering how little he's probably going to play overall, I can't imagine he's going to get that much in arbitration either. No, probably so, two million. Yeah, it's a situation where, at worst, you're going to have a an upgrade on the bench because he's a you know even even at, even at his worst, he's a better bench option than some of the, what, what the Braves had before, and you're getting him at basically no cost. So, yeah. I love that trade too. It's not this huge splash deal, but it's something that makes a ton of sense. Or the Braves, yeah. they optioned Michael Reed, who was uh, up there, um, you know, taking the fourth outfielder, fifth outfielder at bats. That's fine. It is what it is. He can come back if they have a spot for him later on. But uh, yeah, I mean, getting something out of Lucas Sims and Matt Whistler is a win. There's no way around it. So yeah, there's there's zero downside with that trade. No, if if Duvall doesn't work, if he's just horrible, then they just cut bait and they, you know, they basically just end up with him. And it would happen anyway because they were, again, as you mentioned, probably not going to tender any of those three guys. Maybe they could have gotten something for Lucas Sims in trade. Um, but not much. So, yeah, here we are. Congratulations to the Reds. I don't really know what they're doing, and uh, I can't help but think about Sims and Whistler and Great American Ballpark, and that's not going to go very well, I don't think. I, w- I wish those guys the best, though. I mean, Lucas Sims is a local guy. Whistler, people had high, high hopes for. I know Carlos always loved Matt Whistler. Um, I hope those guys find it somewhere else. I don't. Sure. I mean, I don't want to. I'm not rooting against them by any means. I, I I'm not necessarily thinking it's going to happen, but I hope it does, just because I like those guys. So. Yeah, me too. There you go. Um. All right, the, those were the two big moves. There was, uh, there was two. Sorry, there were two, um, very sort of fringy reliever additions before that. That actually, again, make very much sense because they were both for international signing slot money. First was Johnny Venters, old friend of the Braves, who is now back, and then Brad Brock, who is a probably a bigger name at this point in time than Johnny Venters is. He's not, he's not been great this year, but a guy who was definitely another buy low. So, do you like either of those moves? Again, basically zero risk. Guys, and uh, for my money, they're both upgrades on the other options that were are currently on the roster. So that makes it a good move for me. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, for the cost of two hundred fifty thousand each with IFA money that they couldn't use, <laughs> right? Yeah, it was it was just going to sit there. I mean, they can spend a little bit this year. They're not fully locked down like next year, but you know, they they were smart to do it again. They didn't tap into their prospect capital for two, as you said, you know, decent relievers. They're better than. The alternatives, which we kind of saw, were Sam Freeman and Peter Moylan, as both of them have been put on the DL the last. With, uh, by the last way, let's days. let's make fun of that right now because both of those are absolutely. I mean, maybe those guys were dinged up a little bit, but man, that does not feel like. Yeah. That yeah. feels like uh, the old groin strain. Yeah, that's the that's the old. You you can't you can't get anybody else to go on the DL, so we don't, we don't have to DFA yeah. you kind of thing. And I feel <laughs> bad because everybody 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 loves Peter Moylan. Everybody. Yeah. Loves yeah. Peter Moylan. And Sam Freeman actually used to have some high hopes for. He's been really bad this year. Um, but yeah, th- those guys, I think, I mean, they're still on the roster, so maybe they'll come back at some point in time. But sure. I'm hoping they don't just because yeah. it's clear they're not very good. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, Sam Freeman has not been good lately. He was solid last year. He was, um, and that's the same thing. Yeah. I, I sort of have high hopes for him because he had a couple yeah. of nice moments, but he's been every time he yeah. trots in the game this year, I'm like, oh, Sam Freeman. <laughs> yeah, and it. the stuff isn't terrible. Whereas no. Moylan, I mean, Moylan's more or less just throwing frisbees up there and hoping the batters, you know, their eyes get so big that they swing over it. Um, you know, again, you're talking about probably the 24th and 25th guys on the roster. I'm sure they'll, they'll – I can't imagine they come off the DL before the rosters expand in a month. Um, but, yeah, I was a fan. It's it, Johnny Venters is such a cool story. I mean, he's already locked up the Comeback Player of the Year award, which, um, I mean, you can imagine just one Tommy John must be a lot to overcome. But to three overcome three <laughs> over a six-year period, I mean, good for him, man. And, and he was obviously thrilled to be back. And he mentioned that this was going to be his last week with his kids and his wife down in Tampa – uh, before school started since they lived just outside of Atlanta. So for him to be able to come and live at home um, was great. And Brock is is a legitimate late-inning reliever. Um, I'm not sure he's a guy who you're going to necessarily want to pencil in for 50 save opportunities, but someone who does have some closing experience, if if Minter needs a night off or, you know, hey, if, if you're facing the Nats in the eighth inning and Harper, Soto, and Daniel Murphy are about to come up, then you throw Minter in the eighth and you feel okay with Brock in the ninth. So, um, all good. Uh, it's again, it's, it's not huge moves. It's not going to be the difference between the Braves going to the world series or not, but certainly upgrades over who they replaced. And, and for the cost, it was kind of a no brainer. Yeah. Brock's been very unlucky this year, you know, 371 BABIP. Um, his career numbers are very good. I think he's been really bad lately. Uh, it's sort of a buy low because of that. And that's sort of works the Braves advantage. And again, if he's just broken now, which is not out of the realm of possibility by any means, he's an older guy, but at the same time, he's got some money on the books for this year, but that money doesn't really matter too much unless you're Liberty Media. So take a flyer there. Inventors is making literally nothing. Like it's, he's on the uh, league minimum, and a great, he's a great story. And just pitch him against lefties, put him in the Sam Freeman role, or at least what the Sam Freeman role should be, and just be like yeah. the third lefty. Like it's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're not you're not having him as your closer. He's no, I mean, he's, he's not, and he's not the guy he was when he was just an absolutely incredible. Even it's, it's obviously a great story, all that stuff. He's been actually pretty effective this year, but he's never going to be the guy he used to be. Um, at the same time, just make him a loogie, and it's fine. Yeah, like, it's yeah. not a big deal. Sure. Um, yeah. So those guys make you a little bit better, if only because they replaced the guys who were driving everybody crazy before that. Um, I mean, that's all the moves. Let's talk about big picture stuff. I mean, where. What happens now? I mean, there's still the possibility that the Braves could make another deal before the waiver deadline. Um, that does happen every once in a while. I think it was Justin Verlin got traded uh, last year before the waiver deadline. There's some stuff that usually happens. I wouldn't say the Braves are super likely to do that. But, I mean, rotation-wise, you obviously have – you add Gosman in the bullpen. You add those two – you add Brock and you add Venters in 2019. Of course, you add O'Day, not quite there yet. Um, anything change in your mind? Of course, the Braves are better than they were yesterday or the day before that or the day before that. But how yeah. much better are they? Does this change your like forecast for the rest of the season, or where, where kind of are you after all this? And like, how would you grade these moves sort of in the vacuum? Yeah, I think I think from a you know today perspective to this time a week ago, they've they've certainly gotten better. I mean, if if Gosman's going to make starts, if you you know you add those two relievers, you add Duvall off the bench to to add some depth. I mean, they're a better team now than they were uh, you know than they were a week ago. Um, so that's all, that's all very encouraging. Um, you know, long for the next two months, I don't know, you might see, it seems like Adrian Beltre is going to stay put in Texas. Um, Josh Donaldson's a name who he's been hurt basically all year. Um, just because of the familiarity with, with Alex Anthopoulos, maybe if he comes back, uh, Toronto and, and the Braves would work out a deal. If, if they want one more right-handed bat to kind of 
make Camargo that utility guy they they want to see him as. But honestly, Camargo has outperformed Beltre, and this year he's outperformed Donaldson, though Donaldson really only has a, a handful of games under his belt. So uh, maybe one of those, maybe a reliever. There's always, you know, relievers always sneak through. Uh, waivers decently easy. Someone um, will be available on the on the on the bullpen market if they need that person. But yeah, I mean they might be done now. Honestly, I mean especially even That's the bullpen. Right. Like yeah. it, if Brock and Venters are even decentish, they're probably done. I mean you figure Aroidas will come back at some point. Um, you know the news has not been great there necessarily, but they do have him coming back at some point here hopefully. So yeah, it's a situation where. This might be the roster, and it's better than it was. Uh, and well, I, and you have the kids too. Yeah, I mean that's the other Sorry. thing. They have all these days. I mean, and again, on a normal podcast, we'd be talking more about the guys who've been promoted recently. You know, Kyle Wright came up. Um, Bryce Wilson's coming up. Tukey's already on AAA. Like, there's there's some help coming. I think Tukey would be a. I mean, that that's the obvious like high end bullpen guy for the playoff run is Tukey. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to do that, but sort of in that David sort of in that David Price role when he first came up. There's been example yeah. Adam Wainwright that kind of role. He's the obvious one. Um, but yeah, I mean, you also could, uh, you know, Colby Howard's pitching right now for the Atlanta Braves as we're talking. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Colby Howard's upside super high, but at the same time, like he's 20 years old and pitching in the big leagues right now. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. So there's, there's some stuff there. I tweeted out the playoff odds on a couple of, um, a couple of the projection systems, uh, on Tuesday morning. You know, of course this was, uh, this is not taking into account the roster moves. This is all based on, you know, actual pure performance, but most of the systems have the Braves somewhere in the 50-50 range when it comes to making the playoffs. Fangraphs mm. is pretty low on them, about 33%. But do you think, you know, at this moment, I'm not going to hold you to this uh, super closely, but do you think the Braves are making the playoffs at this point? I, I think I probably would bet on yes, but not with a huge amount of conviction, if that makes sense, because the Nats didn't sell. Yeah. And I do think the Nats are, I'm not sure they're better than the Braves, but that wouldn't blow me away if they got hot and won 13 and 14, yeah. that kind of thing, at some point in time. But <sighs> And then you have the Phillies, so... I think I've been on the Braves making it, but I'm not super convinced of that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, you say the homer answer, gun to my head. I think they get in. Yeah, I mean, this I is think, there's probably some homer element of me saying that. If I'm honest, it's just yeah. one of those things where I'm also higher on Gosman than I think most people are. Even even before this, like I'm a long time Kevin Gosman fantasy owner, for instance. Like I think he's gonna be good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that helps. I mean, I you know that might only be a win different. Um, than his than whoever he was pitching ahead of, whether it be you know Anibal Sanchez or whoever else. But I think if you can take one of the guys who's been a sort of mess out of the rotation, add Kevin Gosman, that helps you considerably. Yeah. And the bullpen can't be worse in the middle innings than it's been already. No. <laughs> yeah, and you know you talk about the end of the year. It's I think the last two weekends of the year, and that's the only time they'll see him. The Braves and Phillies are playing each other. I think the second to last weekend they're at SunTrust for three, and the last weekend of the year they're at they're at Citizens Bank for. Uh, the final three games of the year. So even if, you know, even if the Braves have a, a you know, a three, four game lead going into that, you know, the final two weeks, I mean, there's going to be, or vice versa, they're three or four back. I mean, there's going to be that opportunity to gain basically two games every night when you're, when you're head to head with, with Philly. Uh, I think in a week they have uh, three more with the nationals. Uh, and then the Nats come back to SunTrust a, a week or two after that. Um, and then they're going to take advantage, hopefully, of, of the Mets and the Marlins. I mean, they, they go to New York uh, for a couple games later this week. Um, they get the Mets, I think, once more at SunTrust. They might have one more trip to City later this year. I know they have at least two more series with the Marlins. So it, they're going to have their opportunities, and, and it's, all, it's really going to come down to beating the bad teams. That's something they haven't done a great job of. But if they're able to take advantage, it'll, it'll go a long way for them. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that's all accurate, I think. 
I mean, what, what would you say to the people that are disappointed? I, I'm not sure how to even talk about it just because I'm not sure how I put myself in that mindset, but they're, they did, they are out there. I think people just want to see big splashes and I'm not sure Kevin Gosman qualifies, yeah. but I think this is about as responsible a way to add to this team as I could have projected. I mean, again, I would have been fine with it with a big payment for Chris Archer. Cause I think he is actually very good. Yeah. But at the same time, this is a good way to add to legitimately add to the roster in 2018 while also taking the future into account and really not mortgaging any of it. So like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know how you argue against that is my thing, but maybe. I'm oh, crazy. I think, I think your sites were set too high. If you know, I mean, I, I tweeted it earlier. It was think about it like this, right? So a week ago, the Braves hadn't made any of their moves. Uh, you know, they, they hadn't made any moves. They were kind of treading water a little bit. They knew the diamond ba- or the Dodgers were about to come in over the last week. This is, they added Kevin Gosman, Brad Brock, Johnny Venters, Adam Duvall, and, and a you know solid reliever, Darren O'Day, next year. He's not going to have an impact this year. So the cost for Gosman, Brock, Venters, Duvall, and O'Day was JCE, Evan Phillips, Brett Cumberland, Lucas Sims, Matt Whistler, Bruce Zimmerman, Kyle Tucker, and, Preston, and three million, Preston, Preston Tucker. Preston Tucker. <laughs> I wish we had Kyle Tucker. Preston Tucker yeah. and $3 million in money they couldn't spend anyway. I mean – Come on. That, How do you argue against that? I mean, you know what I mean? And like they didn't give up a single prospect. I'm glad I'm glad that you said I mean I mean there was a couple guys that they gave up that could bite them a little bit. I do think like you know, Encarnacion could could be a great player. Like it's a situation not great, great sure. player, but there's a situation where one of these guys one or two of these guys make are solid major leaguers, but still it's there is no argument against what you just said. If you combine these moves, knowing that the international slot money doesn't bite the Braves in the way that it would if they were allowed to spend it, um and, and you know, spend it freely, I should say. There's no argument against what they did. There's just not. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't really see that. I, I. I guess. I mean, some of the narrative that was out there the last week or two was that the Braves, like, you know, should just go out being more aggressive, and it's sort of the typical fan stuff there. But they improved their team. They didn't mortgage the future. I'm not sure what. Again, I'm not sure what the argument is against that. So, yeah. I mean, are they better than the Phillies? I think so. Are they better than the Nats? They don't have to be better than the Nats. You know what yeah. I mean? They have such a they have such a gap again. They have such a gap over the Nats already that they don't have to be better than the Nats. Yeah, so, they have to be six games better than Nationals, right? I mean, they have or to be, less than six, yes, yeah, less than yeah. less than six is worse. I guess is one of. The, I mean, <laughs> so yeah. I mean, do they win the NL East? I'm not sure, but if you if you factor in the situation where there's also the wild card spot potentially, I mean, I think they make the playoffs. I'm not gonna like go crazy, but even as we speak right now, they have the they have the third best run differential in the National League. This is a pretty good baseball team right now. Yeah. And, I, and I think they're more maximized now than they were even early in the season when they were super hot. A lot of that was like, you know, comeback wins and all that fun stuff. But now they have Ronald Acuna hitting leadoff and they have all the, I think they're in a better spot than they were. Um, well, and I think other than the Dodgers, there's really not a team in the National League where if the Braves are paired up in a five or a seven game series with them that I would think, man, this is, this is going to be rough. I think the Dodgers, yeah. just with their talent, once they get healthy, they're, the they're too team. much. But, yeah. you know, you look at Philly's roster, you know, the Cubs, great lineup. But you're talking about, I mean, you know, Quintana and Lester and Hendricks. I mean, that that's not lights out, unhittable. Milwaukee has all kinds of pitching issues right now. Yeah, I you think know, the only, who, who the only team, Pittsburgh. yeah, the only other team that's, I think, is like, flat out better than the Braves or the Dodgers is the Cubs. But as you mentioned, their pitching isn't like terrifying. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, get in the playoffs, see what happens. I'm not saying it's going to be a World Series team because it's not probably going to be that. But yeah, they're better. 
than they were like a week ago. That's probably the easiest way to put this and probably a good place to end the podcast is just saying that the Braves upgraded their roster. Um, if, you go into a, if you go into late July expecting a, a, an upgrade of a roster and you get it and you didn't mortgage anything, there's no nothing bad about that. So that's kind of yeah. where I am on it. Uh, any final thoughts that you have, my friend? Mm-hmm. I think uh, we, we've covered a lot of ground in the last you know, 50, 50 minutes or so. Uh, even without hitting a ton of news, there's probably you know seven or eight topics that we w- that we would have touched on under no- normal circumstances. But when you have you know, was it f- what was the end total four trades? Yeah, you have yeah. four trades plus the what ifs. That's uh, that's a that's a full week of podcast. No, it was it was a busy. I mean, you talk about the last four days or so. I mean, that's as busy of a of a Braves news cycle as you're going to really get all year. So it was it was pretty crazy. It was a lot of fun. The trade deadline was a lot of fun, especially today. I've always thought that. The I don't know if downside's the right word, but you know it's not the NBA or the NFL where you have like this twenty four hour window of just insanity, forty eight hours of insanity. You know the the free agency is so spread out historically, or at least the last couple years, the trade deadline has not had a lot of fireworks just before the end. It's been more spread out over the last week. Uh, it really was a lot of fun today to just kind of watch and see everything happen in real time. And as we said, I, I think. You compare where the Braves were a week ago, they're in a much better spot now. And uh, frankly, I think are, are positioned to at least really make a, a legit run for a playoff spot. And if they, hey, if, if they fall a little short, they're at least set up next year for, for good things. Yeah, if they fall a little short, they have Kevin Gosman, Adam Duvall, and Darren O'Day for next year. So yeah. things could be worse if you're a Braves fan. This is a good day, a good week, I think, if you were a Braves fan. And that's uh, probably a good place to end it. Well, thank, thank you, Scott, for uh, joining me as always, my friend. Please follow Scott on Twitter. At Scott Coleman 55, correct? Yes, sir. Give Scott a follow. He's fantastic. And uh, some someone's tweeting at us this week. They really enjoy Scott on Twitter more than the podcast. And I took full, I took full responsibility for that because I just mean I'm <laughs> limiting Scott's potential. No, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I found know, that I people don't like, like me. Is, is what well, it comes it's down amazing. To. I get I'll have people say that I'm you know I do do on everything, and then I'll have people say I'm a homer and I'm. You know, and I don't that, means, know. that means you're doing it right. I get the same stuff. It's like you're so negative, and then the podcast is like you guys are so soft. I'm like, all right, well, I'm those two <laughs> things. Yeah. I will always lean negative, but uh, with that as the backdrop, I was really podca- really positive on, on this podcast. So if you yeah. think I'm normally negative, the, the Braves must have had a fantastic week because I'm saying it's good. Yeah, it was a good week. All good things, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> with a few exceptions along the way, but good things. Yeah, all good things except for Sean Newcomb and Joe Simpson. And yeah. uh, here we are. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate it, man. Uh, for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. We will have a new show, uh, I guess, in you know five days. So we'll get back to our normal Sunday evening roots here in the near future. So my apologies for uh, waiting until Tuesday night, but I think you guys probably know at this point that it made sense. And we'll see you guys in a few days. Subscribe to the pod. Do all that fun stuff. Check us out for next time.